That was absolutely wonderful worship. Thank you to the worship team for leading us into the throne room of God. Gail and I are delighted to be with you again and to celebrate this time in the history of this church. I am a living testimony to God's working through Bethel Baptist Church in Marquette, Michigan. It was through the ministry of this church and the people of this place that I came to know the Lord Jesus as my Savior. And so you make a huge difference for eternity, maybe beyond even our imagination, what God is up to here at this time. And Matthew and Laura, we welcome you to the larger uh, Converge Great Lakes team. We're so looking forward to what God is going to do in and through your lives. You are a part of Converge Great Lakes. We are better together. We are a part of a movement of God in this region, the state of Wisconsin and upper Michigan. And God is up to some pretty amazing things. And it's such a privilege to be a part of that. Well, you see on the screen a statement that uh, uh, might cause all kinds of reactions among God's people today. God wants to prosper you. (laughs) What does that mean? I think, unfortunately, in the last 20 years that has come to mean that God is deeply interested in my personal wealth and my personal happiness I don't want to disappoint anybody intentionally this morning, but that is not what prosperity means in the Bible. And so we're going to look at that this morning. God deeply wants to prosper you as people of Bethel Baptist Church, but it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about how wealthy I am or how happy I am. It's really all about what God is up to. And so we're going to define prosper as meaning mission success. Okay, if you can take away at least that this morning, I think you've taken something valuable from the Word of God. God wants to prosper His church, but in the sense of the fulfillment of His mission in the world. Imagine, just imagine for a moment, fulfilling God's mission in this world. I can remember back as a junior in high school and then uh, transitioning to a senior in high school here at Marquette Senior High and sitting here Sunday after Sunday and being involved in youth ministry and then in my senior year getting connected with Campus Crusade for Christ and in those days Bill Bright, the founder of what is now known as Crew, was very much in our thinking as he was challenging us young people to reach our nation, for Christ in our generation. Well, that's a powerful message and a challenge to all of us here today yet. God is up to something. Just imagine the fulfilling of His mission, prospering in that way in our day. I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. You know the story of Moses leading the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt and leading them on that journey toward the promised land. It wasn't a straight shot. It could have been. 
But God's people went kicking and screaming. God's people had their own uh, priorities. And so Moses had a 40-year journey. I don't know how long the trip would have taken under normal circumstances, but I can guarantee you it wouldn't take 40 years to get from Egypt to the Promised Land. Well, it did because the people weren't cooperative with the mission. So Moses never made it himself into the promised land. He handed the baton of leadership off to a man that he had mentored for some 40 years, a man by the name of Joshua. And now as we come into the book of Joshua, they are on the edge of mission success. They are gathering God's people near the Jordan River, and they are ready to cross over into the promised land under a new leader. And I want to read just a small portion of the text this morning, beginning in verse 5, or verse 6. My bifocals aren't working here quite well. So, be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, and that's an important word in the text, then, there's something transitional about that word, then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, if you turn over to chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. Will you join your heart with mine as we pray? Father God, we just love you so much. We love your word, and we love the fact that you have saved us through the blood of your only son, Jesus Christ, and you have called us into mission. As Dr. Matthew even said this morning, moving that ball forward, there is a missional piece to being a follower of Christ. It's not just about you know, my own life and what's going on and wanting to be better at something or to feel better at something or to have something. It's about the mission of the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, speak to us through the example of Joshua and your people. Speak to us in ways that only you can. Encourage, strengthen, and convict us deeply by your Spirit that we would leave this place ready to move the ball forward, prepared for you to prosper your people. Mission success, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the question that really begs to be asked from the text is, how can we prepare for mission success? What a wonderful uh, experience to, in just a few moments, to be able to burn that piece of paper. 
God has blessed you, and now God has strategically positioned you for the next chapter in what he wants you to be doing. How can we, in our individual lives and corporately, prepare for that next chapter? You know, I think far too many Christians wing it. They just kind of go through life winging it, just taking it as it comes rather than being strategic and intentional with their future. And I'm going to challenge you, people of Bethel Baptist, I want you to be highly strategic now. As you burn that paper, what a a moment in time for you to think that, okay, it's like it's launching us forward. It's a catalyst into the next phase of our ministry. What is that going to look like? What is God going to do? God told Joshua, you know, I'm going to do some amazing things. I think sometimes we miss those things because we're looking for the ordinary. And I'm going to ask you to be looking for amazing things and be thinking about the next phase. And now what can I do to prepare for that? I'm going to share four things that you and I can do in our lives and collectively as a church. It comes right out of the text. First of all, be strong and courageous. You saw that. In fact, you saw it repeated in chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. And then again in verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Now, why do you think God used that language with Joshua? Uh, I can only speculate, but Moses had a group of people that were not focused on courage. They were focused on their own feelings and comfort. And, you know, it wasn't really going their way in the desert. And at moments, they actually thought it was better being back in Egypt, in captivity. If you're going to conquer the promised land, it's going to take great courage. We're going to have to be strong, not in ourselves, but in the Lord. Remember what Paul said to the Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We're weak. You know, we're no different than the Israelites. Unless we apply the courage that God is willing and ready to give us for the next chapter. And I believe if you look around at our nation, church building, kingdom building, advancing the cause of Christ is not getting easier. I don't know about you, but I I see it getting more challenging. You know, there was a day, you know, as a child of the 1950s and 60s, uh, I'm not one who says those are the good old days. Uh, But in some sense, they were simpler days. Even the general culture tended to cooperate (laughs) with God's mission. They, They didn't even know it. But there was a tendency throughout the moral fabric of America and the thinking of America that kind of cooperated with Judeo-Christian ideas. And now that's slipping away rapidly and we are entering a phase in our nation and I'm sure that you're going to be entering as you seek to advance the kingdom where courage and strength is needed like never before. 
Can we stand for Christ in the midst of a nation slipping away from those foundational pieces? And so I challenge Bethel, as you burn the mortgage, think of it as an opportunity to determine in your hearts, God, give me great courage to stand for you in these days. That's how I can prepare, and you as well. Number two, be careful to obey. Comes right out of the text. Verse 7, he says, Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Why? So that you may be successful. And when people today say that I will obey the law so that God prospers me monetarily, happiness, are not only misreading the text, but they're doing great harm to the truth of God's word. In the Bible, when God desires to prosper his people, it's for the purpose of mission advancement. It is about God. It is not about me. And so I'm challenging you to be careful to obey, not just for your own benefit. If that's all that comes out of it, we've missed the point. You're to obey so that we're successful in our mission as a church. Now, I happen to believe that when we do that, we come away with blessings that are personal, a satisfaction that you can't measure, a sense of fulfillment in serving the Lord. But that is not the goal. That's just icing on the cake that comes from obedience to God. Be careful to obey. Don't veer off to the right or to the left. Uh, as a visual person, uh, I, I like to study the text and allow God to paint a picture in my mind. And here's the picture I have of that text. Gail and I, back in the early 1970s, lived in southern Spain, a very poor area of Spain. And we lived on the fourth floor of an apartment complex with a little balcony. And one day I was out on the balcony and I noticed next door there was a business with a concrete wall around the business. And instead of putting barbed wire on the top for security, they probably couldn't afford it, they put a strip of concrete and embedded broken glass into the concrete. So the wall all around this complex had little different colored shards of glass, very sharp. And on this particular day, I'm leaning over the balcony and I'm watching this cat. Now, if you have a cat, you can appreciate this old-fashioned word, circumspectly. Okay? That's what the text means. This cat was walking along that wall with one paw between the glass shards and another paw and gingerly making its way across the wall. And I believe that's what God is saying to us, that we are to walk through this life ever so careful that we don't fall off to the right or to the left and there's many obstacles on that narrow path. Walk carefully in obedience to my holy word. Are you living that way? 
If you are, you are preparing yourself and your church for mission success as we go forward. So, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey. And then verse 9, well, the end of verse 8 then says, then you will be prosperous. Then you will be prosperous. Then. And that's the key to the text. If we live these kinds of lives in submission to the courage of God in our lives and ready to obey at every move that we take, then God will prosper us in that mission. Number three, if you turn to chapter three, another thing that we can do in preparation is to consecrate ourselves to God. That's what he tells Joshua and the people. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. Before I do amazing things, you consecrate yourself. Now, what does that mean? That's kind of a fancy word. It simply means uh, set yourself apart. Set yourself apart for God's purpose and God's blessing on your mission. And so before we ever take a step forward, we need to stop and say, God, will you bless my part in this mission? I am here for you. I am setting my life apart for you. This is all about you. I, I understand that I may step on that sharp glass along the way. I understand that there are many dangers out there. But with your courage and with your holy word that I will obey, God bless me in mission success. You see, before the Israelites ever crossed the Jordan River, they had to stop complaining and start consecrating. Are you with me? Forty years in the wilderness would, would morph into 80 years in the wilderness, would morph into eternity in the wilderness until you're ready to put yourself aside and God out front. Consecrate yourself to God. People of Bethel, will you do that in your individual life? And collectively as a church, will you just determine as you burn that mortgage today, we consecrate this group of people for the mission that you have before us here in Marquette, Michigan. And Gail and I arrived last night, and you know, my mom no longer lives here. She's in assisted living in Kingsford. And so we don't get up to Marquette as often as we used to, but we both look at each other and says, you know, this... <laughs> You know, this is in my my blood and my history. And uh, uh, we drove around the island. (laughs) And uh, I said, you know, there's no other place on planet Earth than the island that brings me right back to my childhood. Brings me back to memories with Grandma and Grandpa and growing up and all of that. Marquette's a special place in my heart. People here need the Lord Jesus Christ. God has planted Bethel Baptist strategically here in the city, has gifted your leadership, has brought a people together. And as I worshiped with you this morning, I was just in awe of God as I heard your voice raised to him. I believe 
you're on the verge of some amazing things. These are the things I can do. You see, I can't control all the rest. I can't control what's happening in America, and I can't control, you know, when this happens and when this doesn't, but I can sure determine in my heart to be courageous with the power of God. I can determine to obey His Word, and I can determine to consecrate my life to Him. Number four, put God out ahead of you. If you look at chapter 3 and verse 6, Joshua said to the priest, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. Do you remember what the Ark of the Covenant was? It represented God's presence to the Israelites. In the tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant was the item located in the most holy place, the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest could enter once a year. Man could not touch the Ark of the Covenant. He would be struck dead. This represented God's presence on earth. Of course, we know that he sent his son. Don't need an ark anymore. Jesus came in the flesh and dwelt among us. But this Ark of the Covenant to the Israelites and to Joshua was very significant for it represented God's presence. And before they ever took a step into the Jordan River, which by the way, God did amazing things and parted the waters again. But before they ever took a step, before they ever moved to the next chapter, they put the Ark right out front. Will you put God right at the front of everything you're doing moving forward? See, we have to be strategic about that because if we don't think about that, if we don't talk about that, if we don't plan for that, God will be marginalized. God will slip to a second layer of priorities in our churches. Oh, that will never happen to us. Don't ever say that. I believe the church in America today, as never before, is vulnerable. You are vulnerable. Good churches, gospel-preaching churches, loving churches are vulnerable to marginalize God and to allow God to slip to a lower tier of priorities in our thinking, our planning, our lives. So I challenge the people of Bethel, as you burn that paper, allow it to paint a picture in your mind of an Ark of the Covenant right out in front of you. God is leading you. It's about what God wants to do. It's not about what I want. Are you willing, as you burn that mortgage, to let go of yourself? Are you willing to allow burning with that paper, the burning up of my own personal agenda, so that I can put God's plans right out front? 80.5% of the Upper Peninsula is disconnected from a local church. Just imagine, so many people living next door to us, in our extended families, working alongside us, going to the same school, do not know the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. Bethel Baptist is strategically planted to reach those people in this place. And just as you reached this young boy, 
back in 1962. Which person is the next to come into the kingdom because of you? May God bless you in that mission. Let's pray. Father God, how we love you. How we thank you for calling us into mission. I don't feel worthy of it. I don't feel capable of fulfilling that. And yet, you are God. And when you call, you equip and you prepare your people. But you've also called upon us to strategically think about where we're at and what we can be doing to position ourselves for mission success. And so, Lord, I pray. Oh, how I pray. That we would be people like those at that moment gathered by the Jordan. That we would be people that are willing to take bold steps forward in the power of Almighty God and to lay ourselves aside and to consecrate our lives before a holy God so that we can see the fulfillment of your mission in our world. Might you bless Bethel Baptist Church, each leader, each member, each person, not just for individual gain, but bless them for the mission ahead. And I will give you thanks and praise until we stand before him face to face and praise him together for eternity in the name of Jesus. Amen.